BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy last year by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. An incredibly deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. With LinkedIn ads, you'll be able to target over 70 million decision makers all in one place. No deep voice required. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. Terms and conditions apply. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Martha Stewart, the original influencer. When I think about anything, I think about the way that she did it first. The media mogul. The six years ahead, she saw what was coming. The prisoner, the rise, the fall, and the reinvention of an American icon. Once Martha paved the road, everybody else pretty much copied her. A CNN original series, The Many Lives of Martha Stewart, now streaming on Max. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Mark Moss Show, where we talk about the decentralized revolution each and every week, talking about Bitcoin, cryptocurrencies, and the way the world is changing. Now, I try to keep you up to date with the education so you can see the world in the right way. There's a lot of noise out there. We're looking for the signal. We got to kind of pull back the covers on this. And so I try to help you with that, bring, bring to you some of the latest breaking news around, around the world so you can stay up to date on what's going on and, of course, bring to you some some uh, interesting guests so you can listen to. And uh, right now, you know, we're going to talk about some of these uh, big news stories so we can kind of understand what's going on in the world today. I think it's, um, there's a lot going on. And lately, what's been going on is the markets have been crashing, the stock markets have been crashing, the real estate markets are softening up, but the cryptocurrency markets, Bitcoin has been crashing, the crypto markets have been crashing. And, uh, you know, it's interesting going through what we call a bear market when the markets drop this fast. Um, in the Bitcoin space, in the cryptocurrency space, it happens, you know, every couple of years, you go through this this uh, Bitcoin uh, bear market or, or this winter, as they call it. And it's uh, been, uh, you know, I guess maybe just the second time I've been through it. And uh, it doesn't get any easier. But I want to give you some stories that will help you through with this. All right. So let's talk. Let's take a look and see what has been going on. So um, obviously, no surprise, the price of Bitcoin is way down. We know that um, from the November high that it's set, we are down approximately as of uh, right now, about 67% off of the high which is not good. <laughs> it's, it's pretty far down. However, if you put that into um, comparison, it's not good compared to what, right? That's always a question you'd want to ask yourself. Well, we know that the NASDAQ, for example, which has all the tech stocks, the NASDAQ index has bumped up in the last few days. We're down about 30% just on the, on the index. 
So 67% on Bitcoin, 30% on the tech stocks. However, that doesn't really tell the picture, right? If we dig into the NASDAQ, we can see that half of the NASDAQ is down more than 50%. Most of it's down even more than Bitcoin. And most of the big names that you know and love, the Zooms, the Shopify's, the PayPal's, they're down 70, 80% or more. So Bitcoin's done pretty good. But what is going to happen with it from here? That's a good question. And we'll dig into some of the stories this week to try to figure that out. So we can see that Bitcoin is one of the last free markets that we have. So it trades 24-7. It trades very liquid. And uh, it's not, uh, and so it, so it trades pretty freely. That doesn't mean it's not manipulated. So because it's such a small market, it was up to about a trillion dollars at one point. It's down to about four hundred billion today, uh, which which is a lot of money. But when you're a giant hedge fund on Wall Street, you throw around hundreds of billions at a time. So four hundred billion isn't that big in in the grand scheme of things compared to the overall markets, stock markets, etc. And so it moves, you know, it moves pretty easily. It's very thinly traded, meaning there's not a liquidity there. And so because of that, if you had enough liquidity, you could move the market. So what do I mean by that? Well, we can see that the market cap, like I said, is about 400 million. But there's about, um, let's see, there's about $25 billion a day that's being traded in Bitcoin, $25 billion. And so if you were to overwhelm the market with, you know, a few hundred million dollars, you could you could really affect the market one way or another. And so what we saw, and I've been covering this for weeks now, we saw this cascading, this domino effect of uh, DeFi, uh, DeFi, decentralized finance, and CeFi, centralized finance um, platforms, companies, et cetera, starting to collapse. And what happened is, is when one went down, we started with Terra Luna. We talked about that at length. When that went down, it started to create liquidation, to start liquidating people. That's what happens when you use too much leverage. And we have too much leverage across all of the markets from real estate to stocks and cryptocurrencies as well. And um, as those people's leverage uh, were leveraged up and the price started going down, they started getting margin calls, meaning, hey, you better post more collateral or we're going to liquidate your position. And as those positions got sold into the market, it was more selling. More selling brought the price down even more, which then caused even more liquidations, which brought the price down even more, which caused more liquidations. And you understand how it works. It's like a going down a set of stairs. And so then we started seeing um, Terra Luna go down, and then it started to drag down other ones. So then we saw like Celsius go down, and then it brought down Voyager. Um, they had to file for bankruptcy over the last week, and it started bringing all of these down. But it looks like we've kind of hit the bottom with all of these big liquidations. And so we've seen FTX step in and basically backstop this. And it's kind of similar. And, and I used the, when we talked about Terra Luna, I talked about like the free banking era. And so before the Federal Reserve of the United States in the late 1800s, we had an era known as free banking where banks could pop up, they could create their own currency. But these banks would go out of business all the time. And so the Federal Reserve was created um, for what they tell us is to, to backstop the banks, to protect the banks, to make sure that the banks don't go out of business. They would be what's called the lender of last resort. They would come in and, and buy them up or, or, or prop them up. And what we've kind of seen now is we're seeing all these CFI and DeFi protocols and platforms going down. And FTX has now stepped in to start shoring these up to backstop these uh, companies. And so they've agreed to buy BlockFi. I believe they've backstopped Voyager as well. And we're seeing uh, FTX now really, Sam Bankman-Fried, Alameda come in and kind of backstop this, almost kind of take this Federal Reserve position. Um, and I don't want to get super deep into that, but um, what I do want to just cover is that it looks like we've seen 
um, probably the worst of it at this point, meaning that uh, we probably don't have any more of these giant liquidations in front of us um, because I don't see how they would put in, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars to just let it go away, disappear. Now they're sitting on billions of dollars. If they need to prop in, uh, put in more money, they'll put in more money. They're not going to let it go down now. So I think that damage is done. So markets stop going down when there's no more sellers. Pretty simple. And so you had all these liquidations, these forced sellers continue to sell and sell and sell, kept pushing the price down, which caused more liquidations. I talked to you through that. But now who are the sellers? Well, we saw more over the last week or two. And what am I talking about that? Well, now the Bitcoin miners are forced to start liquidating their uh, Bitcoin. As a matter of fact, they've been dumping it and it would be a better word. And we can see a bunch of these big Bitcoin mining companies, publicly traded ones, have been dumping their um, uh, their Bitcoin. We can see Argo Blockchain was the latest crypto mining firm to dump Bitcoin. It sold 15.6 million in Bitcoin. It's the second crypto miner this week to announce it sold more coin than it mined last month. So they they typically they would be mining Bitcoin, but they wouldn't sell it all. They'd keep some of it. Um, but Argo had to sell all of the coins they mined last month, and they had to dip into some of their savings of the reserve and start selling that as well. Um, in June, they had sold 637 Bitcoin, which pushed the price down. Um, they had mined 179. So they mined 179, but they sold 637. So that was big, but they're not the only ones doing that. Another crypto miner called Core Scientific dumped $165 million worth of Bitcoin to get more liquidity. So they had to sell over 7,000 Bitcoin to cover costs. Now they say that uh, they sold 7,200 Bitcoin at an average price of $23,000, leaving uh, 1,900 on their books. So they got rid of 7,000. They still have uh, almost 2,000 left. So they could potentially sell more, but they've sold the majority of it. Uh, they said they're not having a tough time. They're going to be okay. They still expect to bring on 70,000 new Bitcoin mining computers in the next six months. They've already paid 90% of the cost for these, so those should be good. Uh, but we see this going on and on and on. Here's uh, This says here in the last two weeks of June... Many large Bitcoin wallets have emerged over the past two weeks. A number of addresses holding 10 to 10,000 Bitcoin appeared on the network while Bitcoin was going down. And uh, they popped up to absorb more than 18,000 Bitcoin worth $372 million uh, was put onto the market by these Bitcoin miners and it all got absorbed. And so it looks like all of the big selling is done. Now, individuals can still sell. Some of these miners still have some Bitcoin they could still sell, but the majority of it is done. And even more importantly, all these big whales showed up and gobbled it all up. So it's bullish. It looks like maybe we found the bottom. Of course, we'd never know until we're looking backwards on it. But based off of what we can see, based off of the liquidations, based off the mining sales, uh, maybe we have. Uh, you're listening to The Mark Moss Show talking about Bitcoin, cryptocurrencies, and the decentralized revolution. I got a lot more to cover in a minute when I come back, so don't go away. I'll be right back. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy last year by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. It's that time of year again. The U.S. Mint is making the new 2024 American Silver Eagle and American Gold Eagle coins, and there's no better time to buy 
than now. Gold rose 23% in the past 13 months and silver's up 27%. Plus, they're both still climbing. Get the newest gold and silver coins of the year from my trusted friends at Universal Coin and Bullion by calling 1-800-UCB-GOLD. Their company president, Dr. Mike Fulgens, is America's gold expert, and he recently met with financial guru Steve Forbes to discuss trends in precious metals. And both experts agree that gold could hit 2,500 an ounce in 2024. That's nearly a 25% gain from today's price per ounce. If you want to make a sound money investment, then add gold and silver to your portfolio now and keep adding as part of your regular investment strategy. Gold's been used as money for over 2,500 years. Call Universal Coin and Bullion at 1-800-UCB-GOLD. That's 1-800-UCB-GOLD or check out universalcoin.com slash Mark Moss. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right. Over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to LinkedIn.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's LinkedIn.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. All right, welcome back. You're listening to The Mark Moss Show. We're talking about the decentralized revolution. Look at the way the world is changing. Of course, the catalyst being Bitcoin, cryptocurrencies. And uh, we've been talking about Bitcoin and what's going on with the price, what's happening with the liquidations, what's pushing the price down. There is a lot of stuff going on. But it looks like we might have about found the bottom of it. We know that markets stop going down when there's no more sellers. Now, um, there was a lot of big companies that went down. And so we talked about Terra Luna, that's gone. But Celsius is one of the biggest ones and they halted withdrawals. And a lot of people have money locked up on that platform that they may or may not be able to get off. And a lot of people are hopeful that they'll get their money off. Uh, there's a chance, depends on where your money is, in which account, if it's in a lending account or if it's in a holding account. Um, it depends on what they're, they're going through, like a bankruptcy now. So it depends on how they decide to negotiate this out. Um, will depend on if you get some and how much you get. So there's a lot of factors there. But first thing they had to do is they had to survive to even get to the point where they could negotiate that down. Now, um, we talked about market stop going down when there's no more sellers. And these big liquidations have been happening have been basically forcing the sell of thousands and thousands and thousands of Bitcoin, dumping them onto the market. 
And it was a little bit scary for me because what's been happening, and I've been talking about this extensively, um, is that we have these big Wall Street funds, and they're hunting these pegs to break them so they can make some money. Now, it happens all the time. It's been happening for a long time. They do it outside of cryptocurrency as well. I mean, just think GameStop, right? Um, and so they'll, they'll purposely try to break these pegs. That's how George Soros got famously rich, made a billion dollars in one day by breaking the peg of the Bank of England. And so they'll throw around their weight. They'll throw around their money to try to break these things. And they may or may not have something to do with Celsius I'm going down, having to halt with their draws. But we could see, because uh, with Bitcoin and blockchain, we can see these uh, most of these addresses and we can see where the wallets are um, and how many coins they hold and et cetera. And we could see, based off of these decentralized protocols, these DeFi lending protocols, that they had a liquidation price. I want to say it was around like $18,000. If Bitcoin got to about $18,000, then Celsius would be liquidated. And that means two things. One, that would push the price of Bitcoin down even more. And two, uh, if they got liquidated, anybody that had money on Celsius that was trapped, that were hoping to get some back, wouldn't wouldn't get it. Uh, but they but they were able to get money to continue to pay this this loan down. They took out a, a, a decentralized finance loan on a, on a protocol called MakerDAO. And so the way it works on a decentralized protocol is that you have to over collateralize the loan. And so if I want to borrow um, fifty dollars. I have to give them $100 or more of collateral. And so in order for, um, if that gets liquidated, then Celsius would lose all of that collateral they had on the exchange. But they've been able to continue to get more money, and I don't know where they've been getting money from, but it says here that uh, Celsius Network was able to pay down the remaining $41 million of its debt on the DeFi platform, on the MakerDAO platform, which freed up, $440 million worth of collateral, which is a pretty good uh, move uh, for, for Celsius, and it's good if you have money trapped on the Celsius platform. Um, we can see here it says that the on-chain data, so that's how we can see what's happening here. We can see all this on-chain data. It's one of the benefits of the Bitcoin and the blockchain technology is that we can see all that data, and so it adds transparency which in my opinion is a good thing. Um, when you have things like stocks and equities and things like that, you have no idea what's going on there. But at least the, the, the blockchain, we can see that data. So on-chain data shows that a wallet linked to Celsius repaid the remaining 41.2 million of the loan in DAI, which is the currency that MakerDAO uses, which is the, says the Maker's Protocol stablecoin. That prompted the Maker Protocol to release 21,962, so about 22,000 Bitcoin. 22,000 Bitcoin. Imagine those 22,000 Bitcoin being dumped into the market if that was liquidated. That wouldn't be good for the overall cryptocurrency market. It wouldn't be good for Bitcoin. It certainly wouldn't be good for Celsius and certainly wouldn't be good for anybody that has money trapped on Celsius that are hoping to get that out. So that took that away. Remember, 22,000 Bitcoin were at danger of being liquidated in the market. It says that works out to about 448 million since the Bitcoin was recently traded in about 20,400 which at the time of this recording, we're up a little bit higher than that. We're over 21,000 right now. We can see here that Fundstrat analyst um, told Coindesk, the collateral that Celsius freed up can be sold on centralized exchanges or, or via over-the-counter to meet creditor demands and customer withdrawals. So now they have that money, and now maybe they could start letting some customers get withdrawals. Now, I don't think they can because I believe now they're kind of in this receivership or this reorganization or restructuring, or they're going to have to wait for like a formal plan, an orderly plan to start giving money back. But hopefully there's some hope if you have money on Celsius that you might actually get some back. Could be pennies, could be none. 
Um, don't hold your breath, but um, there is a little bit of hope. It says the sell, which is their native token on the Celsius platform, spiked 10% within minutes on the news, but it's still done 81% on the year. Um, and it says the loans on decentralized lending platforms such as Maker are generally over collateralized. So it goes back to if you wanted to borrow 50 bucks, you'd have to put up about 100 bucks or more, meaning that the borrower has to put up more assets in value as a backing of the loan than the value of the loan itself. Repaying the loan made sense for Celsius because it could get a grip on, of the valuable collateral by paying back a fraction of its value. So they paid back the four, $40 million, and They got $440 million of collateral back. So uh, big news for um, Celsius. Now, it doesn't mean we're out of the woods, but I think it is good news nevertheless. But I would say that I hope this is a wake-up call for everybody. Now, I put out a tweet, I think it was, uh, I don't know, about a week ago, and I, I said something to the effect of um, the age of personal responsibility is going to snap back and hard. And what do I mean by that? So, you know, I feel really bad for anybody who's lost any money. I don't wish that upon anybody, not even my enemies, which I don't think I have any enemies. Hopefully I don't. Try not to. Uh, but I don't wish anybody to lose money. So I feel bad for them. But at the same time, you should never be loaning money to somebody that you don't know what the risk is of them paying you back. You shouldn't do that. So if you put money onto Celsius, you should have known there was risk there. And if you didn't, then why would you put money there if you didn't know there was risk? So right off the bat, you shouldn't have put money there. Then you, if you did and you knew there was risk, you should have been paying attention to that. Now, maybe you believed, like a lot of people, that they had over-collateralized all their loans. And so that there was really no risk of them not paying you back because if other people didn't pay them back, they had the, they had the collateral, right? But then you saw in the news that um, they lost money on a Badger Dow. What the heck were they doing investing into something as risky as a Badger Dow? And so that should have told you like, oh, shoot, they're doing things that are pretty risky. I should maybe be aware of that. And, and, and not just to pick on Celsius, it could be BlockFi, it could be Voyager, it could be any of these things. First of all, if they're offering to pay you 8, 10, 12% interest, maybe that's too good to be true. Uh, second of all, you know that's going to have risk. That's the only way they can pay you back if there was risk. Third of all, you should be paying attention to that. And uh, when you saw some of these risky signs, you should have done something to remove that risk that you were facing. Now, again, I don't, I'm not trying to you know, wave my finger and say, I told you so. I'm certainly not saying that at all. What I'm saying is that it's time for you to step up and take responsibility for yourself. And whether you got caught in one of these or didn't, please use this. We either win or we learn. We either win. If I lose, at least I learn. So at least learn from this. Learn that there's no such thing as risk-free returns. There's always risk. Understand uh, how to quantify that risk. Take the proper um, steps to um, limit that risk and become responsible for yourself because no one's coming to save you. You're listening to The Mark Moss Show. We're talking about the decentralized revolution, talking about Bitcoin, cryptocurrencies, and trying to make sense of the news that's going on today so we can understand where things are going in the near future. I'll be back with a lot more in a second, so don't go away. I'll be right back. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. It's that time of year again. 
The U.S. Mint is making the new 2024 American Silver Eagle and American Gold Eagle coins, and there's no better time to buy than now. Gold rose 23% in the past 13 months, and silver's up 27%. Plus, they're both still climbing. Get the newest gold and silver coins of the year from my trusted friends at Universal Coin and Bullion by calling 1-800-UCB-GOLD. Their company president, Dr. Mike Fulgens, is America's gold expert, and he recently met with financial guru Steve Forbes to discuss trends in precious metals. And both experts agree that gold could hit 2,500 an ounce in 2024. That's nearly a 25% gain from today's price per ounce. If you want to make a sound money investment, then add gold and silver to your portfolio now and keep adding as part of your regular investment strategy. Gold's been used as money for over 2,500 years. Call Universal Coin and Bullion at 1-800-UCB-GOLD. That's 1-800-UCB-GOLD. Or check out universalcoin.com slash Mark Moss. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right. Over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs and medium wigs. Also, small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to LinkedIn.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shana's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. All right, welcome back. You are listening to the Mark Moss Show. We're talking about the decentralized revolution, the world as it's changing right before our very eyes. Of course, it's being led by technologies like Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies. And so we talk about that and we watch the world as it unfolds so we can navigate it. Now, one thing that's important to think about when you're talking about new technologies like Bitcoin. Now, Bitcoin isn't just a new technology. Bitcoin is a technological revolution. There's a, there's a difference. A new technology is something cool, and it's an improvement, and it uh, extends markets. So like an iPhone was cool. We took a computer and a phone, we put them together. Now that's cool. And I love the iPhone, don't get me wrong. A technological revolution is different in, in a way that it changes the course of humanity and it drives financial markets. There's only been five. I believe Bitcoin is the sixth technological revolution. They come about every 50 years. But whenever you're looking at new technologies and especially technological revolutions, it's important to understand how to look at them properly. And um, one of the things that I mean by that is the wrong way to look at them is by looking at the price. The price is the least interesting thing and the least accurate thing to take a look at. 
So um, I like to use the uh, story over and over. If you tune in every week, then I apologize if you heard this before. But I like to think about Uber. And Uber, you know, was pitched in Silicon Valley a decade ago, and um, it was supposedly going to be this new way to get uh, a, a ride, you know, from your from your phone. And people are like, well, what do you mean? Like, can't I use my phone to call a taxi? Well, yeah, it's sort of like that, but there's this, like, cool app and whatever, right? But imagine if – so when you invest into what's called venture capital, venture deals, these are really early companies, they typically don't go public, if, if they ever go at all, uh, for about a decade, so that means for a decade, you had money if you would have invested into Uber, which, by the way, you would have done really well if you would have done that. There's been a lot of other losers. But if you would have invested into Uber in the early days, um, you would have had to wait about a decade for it to go public and have a, a daily stock price where you could get your money out of it. So during that decade, how would you know if it's doing any good? Because it doesn't have a daily price. It's not publicly listed. So... Um, looking at the price is not something you can do. And even if you could, it would be the wrong thing to look at. And the reason why is when it's so small and so new, it'd be extremely volatile. And you'd be shaking out all the time. Imagine with Uber where it's like, hey, we, uh, we, we moved into San Francisco, hooray, and the price goes up. And then, oh, um, New York cab drivers are protesting against Uber, and then the price goes down. And every time good news or bad news comes out, it goes up and down, up and down, up and down. And it, it would drive you crazy. But that's exactly what's happened with Bitcoin. Bitcoin has been a live price since day one. Um, so if you can't look at the price, or you shouldn't look at the price, what should you be looking at? Well, you want to look at two things. One is the network growth, the growth of the network, Metcalf's law. Is the network expanding? Are more people using it? Are the number of wallets going up? Are the addresses going up? Are the miners, the, the, the amount of computers that are mining on the network, which equals hash power, the, the, the combined power of those computers is hash power, is that going up? Is the network growing? Is the network becoming stronger? And then we want to look at the, the development on the network. So think about back to the Uber example. Um, is, is the Uber network growing? Are there more people signing up to give rides? Right? Like, what good is Uber if there's no one that will give you a ride? So you need to have all the cities and you need to have as many drivers as you can in all the cities. Right? So the more cities and the more drivers you have, the better. But you also need riders. So are the riders going up? So is the network growing? And so um, we would say that with Bitcoin, it is, right? We can see that through the growth of the miners, uh, the growth of the Bitcoin wallets. We can see how many wallets are being added to the system. And the other thing with Uber is you'd look at the development on the network. Is it developing? Have they uh, added uh, new types of cars? Now they have rideshare. Now they have vans. Um, now they do Uber Eats, right? And so they're developing on the network. Um, they're improving the product and the network is growing. Now, it's important to understand with a network, network effects are very, very powerful. So a lot of people say, well, why can't you just copy Bitcoin? Well, you can. You can totally copy Bitcoin, but you can't copy the network, right? So um, I could probably have someone make me a copy of Facebook and I can call it Mark's book, but it doesn't mean anybody would use it, right? So I can make a copy of Bitcoin, but it doesn't mean anybody would use it. More importantly, it doesn't mean anybody would come mine on it. Would all the miners that have spent hundreds of billions of dollars to mine Bitcoin to help secure the network, would they all just come start mining Mark's coin? They'd give all that up? Most likely not. Uh, what about all the development that's happened on that, all the services that have been built? So the Bitcoin Lightning Layer 2 and all the different wallets and all the apps and all of that, would they all just come onto Mark's coin? Probably not. So why, while I can copy the idea, I could copy maybe even the technology, I can't copy the network. Now, um, Michael Saylor wrote a book a long time ago, and he was talking about network effects. And I believe he said that any, any company that's achieved over like a $100 billion valuation, the network effects are too strong for it to be overcome. And you don't really see uh, companies lose once they've built that network up. And so, again, think Facebook today. Um, 
Now, eventually, maybe people will stop using it, but but there's no way like another social media app would come and replace that. Amazon, right? These have big network effects. Again, I can go make a new site where you can buy and sell products, but it doesn't mean that network will come over. Um, but so we want to look at those things. And I saw this week um, something that, that we've seen over and over and over is we're seeing Mindshare. Some of the smartest people in the world are leaving their very high positions to come work in this space. And so I know right now we're in a bear market. The price of Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies are way down and uh, Bitcoin is dead again, right? It's been dead, I think, 13 or 14 times. Um, every time the price drops, it's dead. Never mind that it's, uh, it's fallen all the way down to its previous high position that was at before. So again, looking at the wrong um, thing. But if Bitcoin is dead, then why are some of the smartest people in the biggest positions of the world coming over to work on it? And so we saw this week, a new story came out. It says three executives leave JP Morgan this week to join crypto firms. So JP Morgan, one of the biggest and most connected banks in the world, in the United States, Jamie Dimon and, and JP Morgan. Jamie Dimon had once said, um, you know, Bitcoin is a scam. If anybody at JP Morgan traded it, I would fire them. But of course, now JP Morgan's moved into the space. But three executives at one of the most connected banks in the world have left to go join crypto. Now, uh, a lot of people said, well, it's never going to work because, you know, the government's going to make it illegal and um, all these things, right? Well, these executives are, you know, they know a couple things and they would probably not agree because they've left their high-powered jobs in traditional finance to go work for this new company. Let's take a look at that. So we can see here, um, a banner week for people departing megabank JP Morgan to join the cryptocurrency industry. Three executives taking the plunge despite a looming crypto winter. So even though the price is down, even though it's dead again, even though it's never going to work, they've decided to leave JP Morgan to go join the crypto industry in the winter, no less. Now, as someone who's been through a few bear markets, <clears throat> let me just say that bear markets are the time to build. That's the time to get ahead. We can see the latest levers include Eric Raggy, a former managing director at JP Morgan with 21 years tenure at the bank. Look, he wasn't just a guy who had been there for a few months. He had 21 years tenure at the bank. Um, he left to go work uh, head of business development and capital markets at a company. Uh, we have Pooja Samuel, formerly a head of ideation and digitization at JP Morgan based in New York City, joins the Digital Currency Group. Digital Currency Group runs the, the new site Coindesk. They run the event called uh, um, Consensus. Um, they have the... Um, they have the big uh, Grayscale Trust, Bitcoin Trust. So he left to go work there. Um, and we have uh, J.P. Morgan banker Samir Shah left the bank to become chief operating officer at an investment firm called Pantera Capital. So look, these people don't think crypto is dead. You might. But I would just stop and ask myself, am I more connected than this guy that worked at J.P. Morgan for 21 years? I'm not. I don't know anybody at Wall Street or inside J.P. Morgan. Um, am I smarter than them? I probably know different things than they know, but um, you might want to stop and think when you see this amount of mindshare leaving traditional finance to go work in this industry, especially in a bear market, and that should give you hope. I think if you zoom out and you can have the right time perspective, 
These things can help you a lot. I still believe it's the greatest opportunity that we'll ever see in our lifetime. Now, you're listening to The Mark Moss Show. We're talking about the decentralized revolution, the way the world is changing right before our very eyes. The catalyst, of course, is technology, as always, being led by decentralized technology. We're talking about Bitcoin. Uh, just going through some of the mind share that's leaving the space, and uh, I got a lot more to cover when I come back in a minute. Some big stuff, so don't go away. I'll be right back. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy last year by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. It's that time of year again. The U.S. Mint is making the new 2024 American Silver Eagle and American Gold Eagle coins, and there's no better time to buy than now. Gold rose 23% in the past 13 months, and silver's up 27%. Plus, they're both still climbing. Get the newest gold and silver coins of the year from my trusted friends at Universal Coin and Bullion by calling 1-800-UCB-GOLD. Their company president, Dr. Mike Fulgens, is America's gold expert, and he recently met with financial guru Steve Forbes to discuss trends in precious metals. And both experts agree that gold could hit 2,500 an ounce in 2024. That's nearly a 25% gain from today's price per ounce. If you want to make a sound money investment, then add gold and silver to your portfolio now and keep adding as part of your regular investment strategy. Gold's been used as money for over 2,500 years. Call Universal Coin and Bullion at 1-800-UCB-GOLD. That's 1-800-UCB-GOLD. Or check out universalcoin.com slash Mark Moss. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Martha Stewart, the original influencer. When I think about anything, I think about the way that she did it first. The media mogul. The six years ahead, she saw what was coming. The prisoner, the rise, the fall, and the reinvention of an American icon. Once Martha paved the road, everybody else pretty much copied her. A CNN original series, The Many Lives of Martha Stewart, now streaming on Max. All right, welcome back. You are listening to The Mark Moss Show. We're talking about the decentralized revolution. We're talking about Bitcoin. We're talking about cryptocurrencies. We are talking about the latest breaking news so we can see all of this playing out in real time. Now, hopefully you got the last segment there. Um, it's a bear market, but it's not dead. We're seeing people, some of the top people from the traditional finance space are leaving their posts to come in. But I want to um, I want to talk about a couple things uh, here real quick. So Let's see here. First thing, we have to understand what happened in the market. We saw a bunch of experimentation, which I'm a fan of experimentation. Um, CFI, DeFi, decentralized finance, centralized finance. And we saw it end pretty badly. Now, I was talking about before that, um, you know, if it sounds too good to be true, a lot of times it is. Doesn't mean it always is. 
but a lot of times it is. And so um, at a minimum, you should use some extra scrutiny and you should really dig in and take a look at this. And I think when we're looking at these CFI, DeFi platforms, centralized finance or uh, decentralized finance platforms, we're talking about the BlockFi's, the Celsius's, the uh, Voyagers, um, the, the, et cetera. When we're looking at those and they're paying out you know, 20% interest, you might ask yourself, how in the heck in the world that we're in today with zero interest rates, they're able to pay out 20%. And you would ask yourself that. Now, we talked about how all of this collapsed and how uh, it became this cascading domino effect, and it's really dragged the entire market cap down with it. But I think it's also fundamentally transformed the industry. At least I hope so. So I think it's washed out most of, not, if not, yeah, not, not all, but pretty much most of the leverage that's been built up in the system. But what I also hope is that it wakes people up to, the, to, like I was saying earlier, the era of, of uh, personal responsibility. And I think you have to, one, be responsible for yourself and think about the risk that you're taking. But also, I think it maybe marks an end to that entire era that was there. You know, um, people were taking a lot of risk. They were putting a coin on this um, DeFi platform and they're taking it out of here and they're wrapping it and they're putting it under here and they're taking the yield and they're wrapping that and they're putting it on here and they're adding all these steps, adding all this complexity to try to get more and more what we'd call alpha, uh, more profit, more yield. And in order to do that, they were taking more and more risk. So it pushes people way out on this, on this risk curve in order to do that. Um, and now through the collapse of Anchor and other DeFi protocols, um, we're seeing that uh, these, these platforms have blown up it's shrunk the amount of um, value that's locked up into these DeFi protocols. It shrunk about 70% from its all-time high. And we're seeing a lot of them that have just disappeared altogether. And I think, um, well, I don't know. You, you can't ever count out the stupidity of other people. Um, but typically when you touch a hot stove and you burn your hand, you don't do that again. Um, sometimes they might, but I think it should be a it should be abundantly clear of anybody looking right now that high returns equals high risk. And at a minimum, if you want to continue to try these things, hopefully you'll take a much more seasoned approach to it. Now, I also want to give, um, that's kind of what I'm thinking about the space overall, but I also want to give some advice. I was uh, went to a meetup last night, Swan Bitcoin put together. Shout out to Swan Bitcoin. If you're looking to buy Bitcoin, check them out, swanbitcoin.com. I think slash Mark, by the way. Get ten dollars in free Bitcoin. Uh, but we went to a meetup meet last night, and we were talking about uh, the market and <clears throat> what's going to happen, and when when will the price of Bitcoin come back, and uh, how long will this bear market last? This crypto bear market. And uh, I said, you know, shoot, it could be three years before we see the all time high price come back. And some people didn't like that answer. And um, you know, I've been through this before. It doesn't. And maybe it gets a little bit easier, but it's still not, not fun, it's still painful. Um, but I said, you know, if it took that long to get back, that would be a 3x return from here, you know, in three years, that's pretty good return. I like that. Um, but also, I think that these bear markets, these, these winters are opportunities to um, build. in. so let's talk about a survival guide for the crypto bear market and how to get ready for the next bull run. And I think a couple things, you know, one thing that I think of is, um, <laughs> what if it never comes back? It's a scary one. I think about that 
And uh, having gone through this before, like I said, it doesn't necessarily get easier. So what, how do I deal with that? Um, you know, should I panic? Should I sell out right now? Or should I double down? Well, I would, I would think about it a couple ways. So first of all, why did you buy the asset? What do you think is going to happen with that asset? And what's your plan for that? So for me, for example, I believe Bitcoin is the most pristine asset, reserve asset we've ever seen. I believe it's a superior form of money. I believe it's going to take a, a big majority out of the global reserve assets. I, I believe that. Um, and so that's why I bought it. That's why I hold it. And what am I planning to do with it? Well, I'm planning to hold it until that becomes reality, which could be past my lifetime. And so that's what I'm waiting for. Now, when it crashes in price, should I panic and sell it or should I double down? Well, I would ask myself, do I still think that could be true? Well, the network still works as designed. The, the network growth is still happening. Development network is happening. It looks like it's still on track to do that. So I'm going to continue to hold it. As a matter of fact, I will double down on this. Now, let's say that you bought like a Bored Ape NFT, for example. Why did you buy it? And what did you expect to happen? And what were you thinking would happen? So let's say that you bought this because all your friends were buying them and were doubling, tripling their money within 30 days. Now you bought it and the price dropped by 70%. Well, do you still think you can double or triple your money in 30 days? Um, and, uh, you know, and ask yourself that question. Now I would say, well, shoot, now there's been a million board apes come on and I can just go onto Google images and search board apes and I could just right click and save any of those. So I don't know if that's going to be a reality more. I really bought into the hype, but the hype's dead now. And so since the hype is dead and I only bought it for the hype and it's dead, then maybe I should get rid of it. Now, I'm not saying that's the case, but these are ways that I would think through this process. You never want to become a forced seller. So that means you don't want to panic at the bottom. It's simple, not easy, but simple. You're supposed to buy low and sell high, not buy high and sell low. So you don't want to be a forced seller at the bottom. You shouldn't panic, which brings me to the next point, which is avoid panic selling. Um, you also want to avoid greed. So if you were only buying these board apes at astronomical levels because you thought you could triple or quadruple or 10x your money in 30 days, you were buying into greed. So you don't want to you want to avoid greed. Um, I can tell you that uh, my phone starts ringing off the hook with people I haven't talked to in years and years and years when Bitcoin reaches new all time highs. They're buying into greed. You're supposed to buy at the bottom when it's cheap, not at the top when it's expensive. Um, but now it's cheap and people don't want to buy. So think about that. But you want to avoid the panic selling. That means being forced to sell. That means avoid uh, liquidations. And so that goes into my next point, which is staying solvent. So you don't ever want to buy um, or trade with leverage. I like to say leverage is like fire. It can warm your house up or it can burn your house down. And a lot of times people get into the greedy part. They start using leverage. And then they are they become a forced seller. So those things all kind of work together. And so, shoot, if my Bitcoin's not levered, then I can let it ride all the way down and I'll hold it until it goes all the way back up again. But if I have leverage against it, I've taken loans against it, or I'm trading with leverage with it, then and the price moves down, then I get liquidated. Then I become a forced seller. So then I was forced to sell low. I don't want to sell low. I want to sell high. And so you don't ever want to become a forced seller. You don't want to be a panic seller. You want to still stay solvent. The other thing I'd say is research. Spend your time doing research. What's going on? Is it going to survive? What was my thesis? Why did I buy it? What did I expect would happen? Is that still on track? 
as long as long as I'm researching and as long as my thesis is remaining true and as long as that project is staying on track, then I'm going to continue to stay in it. If I come to find out that there's new information and it's not on track anymore, then I should get out of it as fast as I can. The last piece I'd give you is keep your job. We saw a record amount of job quits at the end of last year. People want to quit their jobs to trade options on Robinhood and trade cryptocurrencies. Think twice about quitting your job. You want to have income coming in so you're not forced into be an emotional forced seller. Hopefully that helps you get through the crypto bear market however long it lasts. You're listening to The Mark Moss Show, talking about the decentralized revolution, talking about Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies. That's what I got for you today. Thanks for listening. Until next time. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from The Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. I'm Dr. Sanjay Gupta, CNN's chief medical correspondent, and this is Chasing Life. Three out of four U.S. adults are considered overweight or have obesity. 75% of Americans. Dr. Fatima Cody-Stanford. Our weight is one factor that plays a role in our health. But by itself, it doesn't give us the full story of who we are. We have to look at our full person. Listen to Chasing Life, streaming now on the iHeartRadio app. Hi, I'm Antonia Blythe, and this is 20 Questions on Deadline. Joining me today is Alison Bree. Welcome, Alison. We got second place in my seventh grade lip sync contest for one of the songs on that album. The one that was like, you've already won me over. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. It's a very all slow. The, all the options. In spite of me. Like, what did we do? It's so slow. <laughs> Don't forget to listen to 20 Questions on Deadline. Thank you again, Alison. Thank you.